0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowitch Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm
1: Faisal Carmelli my co-host here, Dave Popowitch. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Faisal. I'm good. You? This is neat. This is different. We've got, for those of you who are going to see us on social media... On our Facebook page and so forth, we kind of show these, these uh, episodes. There is a divider between us, yep. a nice shielded glass. We, we do not have our masks on, but we have the shield. Um, the, the downside is I can actually still see you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not so muffled. I've it's, got to li- actually listen to what you're saying. instead of just blah, 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 blah. I'm going to
1: ask my team to no longer have a transparent <laughs> divider between us because I can still see you. Oh, but, <laughs> but, but it's a different piece. This is what we have to ad- adjust to. These are the adjustments that we have to make given the pandemic and, and everything that's involved from wearing masks while we were talking the last few weeks to putting up this divider and so forth. There's going to be a lot of adjustments. And so we need to have these discussions about what happened last year and what's the adjustments we need to make for next year or this year, sorry, when it comes to our portfolios. Yeah. And so we have, uh, we have one of our, our reoccurring experts coming in, the chief investment strategist at Manulife will be coming and talking about where are you going to make money in 2021?
0: Well, and and how did you make money? There was such a wide range of outcomes last year, Faisal. Um, it's you know we've talked to a lot of people. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and so we want to talk to uh, Philip and get a sense of why, because there was some some people were surprised by what happened. There's lots of confusion over, well, how did the stock market and bond markets and gold markets all go up when we were in, you know, a, this terrible A
1: pandemic a and a pandemic recession recession,
0: right? And there's some. There are some clear-cut answers. Why it's not it's not hocus pocus. There's there there For are sure. some real reasons why that is, and, and we'll we'll talk with Philip. about One
1: that. of the things that he will probably mention is um, stimulus. Yeah, one point nine trillion dollar relief package just got uh, announced this right. week by uh, President-elect Biden. Yes, um,
0: that's he, on top of the nine hundred billion that was announced in December.
1: And and so here here's where I think we're digesting all this information. Mm. Whenever you have a stimulus package, mm-hmm. it's different than a relief package. Mm-hmm. What Biden announced was a relief package, which means things are not as good as they were hoping for. we got to get back to some sort of state where we're okay, hence the word relief. There's another package coming, being going to be announced in February, and that's the one that's going to be stimulative. That's the job creation, infrastructure, so on and so forth. Now, Albertans don't like me talking about the infrastructure because it's going to be green infrastructure yep. and that impacts oil and gas, which is one of the largest um, contributors to our province. But it's coming. Yep. And Biden is going to push that out, especially with what he has in Congress that will help him get to where he needs to get to. Right. This week was a very interesting week in the markets because now we're digesting what I call the have and the have-nots. When you look at certain companies that have taken a hit, FANG has been a big winner last year. They're not doing so well this year, so far. Other areas, financials, energy, they're doing better. Mm -hmm. There's a rotation happening here. Mm -hmm. And this week, people are focusing so much on the political issues, i.e. Trump, i.e. inauguration, that they're missing out on this stuff. There's opportunity to make money right now, Dave and people are too focused on the headline stories of Donald Trump, Biden inauguration and let's throw this in here, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. They're not focusing on where they can make money, and I love it. Don't pay attention please because that's going to get me some opportunity in this market.
0: Yeah. So it speaks to the it speaks to emotion, right? I mean, we've talked about this so many times. You got to talk about the news versus the noise. Um, and and then i mean we're very narrowly focused when we're talking about this with respect to the markets right so there's so much to get caught up in in the in the in the general news cycle that you can miss right the fundamentals of what's taking place and what rotation is happening and where mm-hmm. you should put your money right and we've got to, i mean we've got to, we've got to talk about that you're right a rotation started i would argue back when they announced when Pfizer announced its vaccine we started to see uh the repricing of some of the the, yep. the, the companies Good that call. really got hammered was they were closed yep. on a reopening, right? That yep. trend is not dead.
1: Here's my prediction for Calgarians um, over the next eight months. We're going to get so distracted with this pandemic and a municipal election mm-hmm. that we're going to assume that whatever happens in the city is going to happen around the world, going to impact my portfolio. Watch what I'm going to... I'm going to get phone calls. Mm-hmm. You'll probably get phone calls on this saying, so-and-so is going to be elected. Mm-hmm. That's going to ruin the economy. And my portfolio will be impacted. My retirement will be impacted. And my inside voice always says, what the hell does city council got to do with your portfolio? Right. But it's going to come out. Sure. Because it's emotional, right? People get emotionally attached. And they uh, they tie... You people in Calgary, listen to this. When you're, when you're looking at are happening. You're what's one ha- of those people, remember. But I get, I get frustrated. <laughs> I have emotions behind the city. My portfolio does not make decisions based on what the heck happens in this city. I know. And in fact, when people start to tie the two together, you can make a decision that's not the right decision to make.
0: Well, because it's emotional, that's why I drive it. You're feeling a certain way given whatever's happening municipally, but that's not the global economic call.
1: We are pretty active in the social media world. There's a lot of people com- commenting and connecting with us, and I'm I'm willing to bet you a chance to make your steak dinner back that you're going to lose on. By the not way, not going to. Um, I I believe there's going to be at least a dozen people that're going to reach out to us this year and say, "Here's what's happened in the city. My retirement's messed up." You know who I feel for when what? it comes to their retirement. Business owners in this city that have to sell their business this year in order to retire. I think they have the biggest risk. But beyond that, if well, you're investing.
0: And municipally, that will be affected, right? Provincially, municipally, there's an effect right huge. there. On, that's right.
1: Huge. So how do you put all this together? How do you bulletproof your retirement? Because you're going to have so many things coming at you in 2021. Vaccine, pandemic, elections, new, new president, so on and so forth. It's going to get frustrated. Right. We need to figure out a strategy, a disciplined approach that designed to bulletproof your retirement. And we're going to talk about that. Yep. We're going to educate you to, to see how you can have the solution to a, a comfortable retirement. And we're going to do that on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m. Live online. But you need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
0: You know, I, I want to I touch on, wh- on what you've said, and we've talked about this before, and I think you're right, there's going to be distractions locally. Um, people have to remember, and even provincially, when we talk about oil and gas in our province, right, um, you have the ability through the push of a button to put your money anywhere in the world. In a second, anywhere Absolutely. in the world.
1: I don't like what Biden's going to do for our industry of oil and gas in this province, so my retirement's messed up. No, it's not. Just don't invest in it. Right. Go somewhere else.
0: Right. And, and and we gotta keep reminding we harp on this, but I gotta keep reminding people. There's no restrictions on where you can put your money in the world. It is
1: global capital. That's and right. I love it. And, and the and opportunities I think out there in the world are, unbelievable. are un- unbelievable. Right now. Um let's not get focused in on what's happening locally that will impact your future. Don't make those kind of emotional decisions.
0: Okay. So after the break, I want you to stick around. Um if you're interested to figure out how to make money in twenty twenty one. We've got uh, Philip Peterson joining us, and we're going to talk about how to position to take advantage of what we see coming up. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Um, we're coming off a, an extraordinary year uh, in 2020 for any number of different reasons, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know how it played out from an investment perspective and then we'll take a look at what, uh, you know, what we can expect for this year, given vaccines are coming out and so on and so forth. And we've got Philip Peterson with us today. Philip's a regular contributing um, uh, or a contributor to the show, and he's the chief investment strategist with Manulife Investment Management. Philip, welcome back and welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks, and happy New Year's, guys.
0: Yeah, happy New Year to you, too. Um, so let's let's start with 2020. you know I, ma- I made the comment that it was an extraordinary year. I don't mean to imply that it was extraordinary in all positive ways. Clearly we had lots of things going on uh, in 2020. and I, I want to maybe just take it do a bit of a wrap up. get your sense of uh, where you started 2020, how it finished and uh, and then we'll go from there.
2: Well certainly, I think you know one of the interesting things about 2020 is if you if you were Rip Van Winkle and you invested at the beginning of the year. And you fell asleep for the next 365 days, and woke up, and all you did was look at your statement. You would have thought it was a pretty good year. Equities were up, bonds were up, gold was up. Um, like it was, it was a decent year from that perspective. Then you open the newspaper and you read everything that happened. <laughs> quite a different year. And this is what uh, I think surprised a lot of people. How do you square those two things? And and from our perspective, we started 2020. We can go back and pull up the tapes on this, but we started 2020 a little bit more hesitant towards the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were seeing an earnings environment that really didn't support where valuation was. So we saw weaker earnings growth, higher valuation, and we were more defensive. Now, that defensive position served us well as we you know, finished out the first quarter, you know, seeing a bear market from February 19th to March 23rd because of COVID. We didn't predict that, nor did we anticipate that. You know, Our, our reasoning for being a little bit more defensive was was completely... Uh, aside or exclusive of COVID. Um, So COVID comes along and, and you have to throw all of your assumptions out the window and start over. And what we saw was just an unbelievable response by governments around the world and central banks around the world to maintain liquidity and maintain, I would say, the economic income as best they could in the face of very strict lockdowns. And so this is where we have to kind of square that, that circle, if you will, saying, okay, well, how can the economy be so poor and the stock market do so well? And it's because they're not exactly the same thing. Right. So the stock market doesn't factor in the 22 million Americans that lost their jobs. Stock market doesn't factor in you know, the, the lockdowns. What the stock market focuses on are the earnings potential of companies. And so we saw a sharp drop in earnings at the end of Q1 at the end, uh, through the second quarter, even the third quarter. But when you look forward, you know, now we're starting to see, uh, or we started to see in the back half of the year, a very, very sharp snapback. A recovery um, and that's what the market was pricing in we had an environment of very very low interest rates a lot of money sloshing around um, and companies that were getting back to business and business was booming so that's why the market finished off as strong as it did and we take that into 2021.
1: Philip when you look at 2020 uh, and in with I think with every recession you're going to have A have and a have not group of people. And I think the market, let's use any type of index, you and I talk about the S&P 500 as a barometer, Um, probably not as accurate of a barometer of what really happened because there were tons of companies that went bankrupt because of this pandemic there were tons of companies who couldn't uh, do well uh such as energy sometimes even the financials but when you start looking at what did well it was your technology your stay-at-home stocks these massive valuations for companies that really made no revenue had a great idea and had a lot of people using their their service or product um, but got huge valuations is that going to continue? Do you see that as normal, as a tale of two different stories of the have and the have not, or is was this a f- um, a phenomenon given that it's COVID?
2: This, you know, I, I would argue that this was a social phenomenon brought on brought on by the COVID lockdowns, um, and and we would attribute this to Robin Hood and its Merry Men. Robin <laughs> Hood being the trading platform in the United States, and the Merry Men being all. All those day traders out there that see the markets go up, see their portfolios go up and say, this is easy. This is, you know, I'm a genius. Look at my portfolio. But it's not real in some of those instances. So there is a bifurcation in the market where you had a number of IPOs come to market that had a great idea, but they're not necessarily making money. Um, But they saw the valuation of their companies go up dramatically. And then there's other companies that that were already listed, uh one well-known car company that that is valued at uh, has a market cap greater than the the nine largest auto companies out there and yet it only produces half a million cars. You guys can guess which one that is. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely not. Uh I'm told, well, but you just don't understand what they do. No, I understand what they do. They make cars and they don't make a lot of cars, but somehow so the, the market is pricing in that they're going to control the entire auto sector. So, yes, there are, you know, I'd call it have or have nots, call it, you know, the, the uh, uh, unicorns versus reality. We can call it whatever we want. Um, we wouldn't call it fundamental investing, though, because fundamental investing is based around a reasonable valuation for, for what a company delivers in terms of profits. A lot of these companies, as you said, don't have profits They have excessive valuation. Is that going to last? Um, It never does. Eventually, these things come back down to earth. It tends to be quite ugly. Uh, But the good news is it's not the whole market. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's going to be something similar to what we saw, say, in 2000. Maybe not to the extreme of, of that bear market, but what in 2000 we saw was a real bifurcation where the stocks that were dramatically overvalued saw a pretty healthy correction or bear market. And then you had a whole whack of the market that did well because it never saw that excessive valuation. And, and I can point to examples in the current marketplace that would exhibit reasonable valuation with improving fundamentals through this year. The banks, for example, I think are a great example of that that didn't see the run up in the, in the rally, um, but they're gonna do better this year than they did last year, and they're cheap. Mm-hmm.
0: So there was another big story uh, last year that I don't think is getting enough press, and your comments on this would be valuable. You talked about this unemployment issue, right? We saw unemployment skyrocket as we, as we shut down economies. But uh, this, to my uh, understanding and belief, would be the first recession that we've ever gone through where um, incomes went up through a recession, <laughs> And so fiscal policy, I don't think uh, people fully understood what the, the, the benefit to um, certainly the markets were of fiscal policy maintaining incomes while we had higher unemployment, because traditionally in a recession, when employment, unemployment goes higher, people lose wages and they can't spend. So your comments on that?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a very good observation to the environment in 2020 and why this recession was very different from others. Most recessions come about because of some excess, you know, excess in housing market, excess in in the tech sector, whatever it might be, excess in industrials. Mm -hmm. This one was a forced stop um, where the governments, to get control of COVID, had to put a stop on economic activity. And so in order to do that, they had to backfill it, right? It wasn't a company overextending itself and and, uh, being irresponsible and then eventually having to lay off its staff. This was the government saying, you can no longer go to work. But if we're telling you you can't go to work, here's what we're going to do for you. So you're right. We saw incomes actually go up. We saw the savings rate just skyrocket, skyrocket. because mm-hmm. people had excess income because you can't go and spend it. Um, we did not see the drop in incomes like we saw in 2008 and 2009. We did, uh, we did see a drop in consumption because we, we just can't behave quite the same way that we would if we were completely open. And that that is what I would say... Kept this recession. What ultimately we will be proven to be the shortest recession in history, and we think it was three months. Now, right. traditionally, recession is two quarters or six months. This one, um, because of the circumstances, uh, very very short. This is the other thing though. The, the lead up to the or the the following question would be: Okay, so we have this unemployment. Yes, people are being um, we're bridging the gap uh, from an income perspective, but how do the markets keep going up? The Area of unemployment that we've seen is very different from two thousand eight, two thousand nine. In two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it was Wall Street that who were shedding jobs. The banks were shedding thousands of jobs, tens mm-hmm. of thousands of jobs. Uh, the housing market was shedding jobs, um, and it was the service sector, you know, the restaurants and the bars and so on, that were chugging along like nothing changed, nothing had happened. In this case. You've probably heard this is the catchphrase of 2020, the K-shaped recovery Mm -hmm. that says, oh, you know, uh, Wall Street or white collar uh, did very well, whereas uh, the service sector has suffered because the bars are closed, the restaurants are closed, the movie theaters are closed and so on. True. Um, But yeah, and that's perhaps why this has been a milder economic shock, because the, the higher income earners are the higher consumers. To be honest yeah. with you, and they—they are the ones that tend to drive more of the consumption-based economy.
0: Well, there's some really important conclusions to 2020, and in some of the things you've said, we're going to talk about that after the break. That helps us understand how you should be posi- uh, positioned in 2021 going forward. But let's defer that till after the break, Faisal. We've got an upcoming seminar because regardless of what's happening in the economy, we got to be nimble to both profit and protect and support that and protect that lifestyle in retirement.
1: Yeah, we're going to show you how you protect your lifestyle throughout your retirement on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m. Live online, you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
0: Okay, Philip mentioned the K-Recovery, and that meant that certain industries did better than others. Are you interested in how to how to, uh, position your portfolio to take advantage of what's going to happen in 2021? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. You're here with Dave and Faisal and uh, Philip Peterson. We're continuing our conversation. Philip's the chief investment strategist with Manulife Investment Management. And uh, Philip, before the break, we were talk- you, you finished sort of talking about this K recovery, right? I would argue that every you know recovery is a K recovery. There's certain industries that you know respond quicker, given whatever the particular crisis is we're overcoming,
1: and those that respond. Uh, less quick so we know what the- do you hey, before we go on yeah. do you really believe that yeah, do you I believe do. in every risk re- so when yeah. i look at a k recovery you're there's a bottom part of the k that does not even come back
0: well that, that, that's fair
1: yeah that's totally fair and i'm I'm maybe philip you know this this answer but can you think of industries that were just decimated gone because of a recession in in previous recessions philip do you have that do you have that off the top of your head
2: well i would say i, I don't know if i would i would say that they were completely gone but if you look at the housing sector in the United States. It took years. You can argue it took almost 10 years to get the housing sector kind of moving, advancing at the same pace that we saw pre uh, the great financial crisis. Now, we can argue it was too high. Yes, that was the excess. But yeah, it took many, many years for housing to really, really get back to levels that we had seen pre great financial crisis.
1: So when you're looking at now 2021, and 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 you said in the last, uh, before the break, that 2020 if you fell asleep on january 1st and woke up on december 31st and you'd look at your statements things are pretty good you know for mo- for most people things are pretty good um how does 2021 shape out did we give up all the potential returns this year because we did it so well last year
2: uh, the short answer is no uh, i don't believe that's the case now what drove 2020 was a multiple expansion right so the market was pricing in a a recovery, a recovery in in, uh, the economic fundamentals, a recovery in earnings that we're going to see this year. Now, when you balance the two of those out, so when you see years where the market is driven by a multiple expansion or valuation goes up, those tend to be the really, really good years. You know, the average return tends to be about 22%. They're always followed by years that are driven by profits going up. These years tend to see weaker returns but still positive in the range of like 8 to 10%. That's where we think we are. We think we're going to see an earnings recovery in 2021 that's going to be somewhere between 30 and 35% year over year. So that's going to get us not only back to 2019 earnings, but perhaps ahead of that. So we're, we know valuation is likely to come down, but we're going to be left with enough uh, of the difference between the two to deliver what we think is going to be an average to perhaps modestly above average year for stocks.
1: And so when I'm hearing that is, be, last year, it was basically broad-based market indexes, passive investment going up, you're okay. Are we saying 2021 is more of an active, more due diligence on the individual security than the broader market as a whole?
2: That would be my, my uh, yes, my working assumption. And for a couple, couple quick reasons. One, the earnings growth isn't going to be the same across all all companies, all sectors. Mm -hmm. Two, we also see an environment where inflation is going higher and interest rates going higher, and that's gonna start to mess with some um, discount dividend models or cash flow models. um, And it's gonna impact some companies more than others, and this comes back to the valuation story. So interest rates and inflation goes up, those companies that have a much higher valuation are likely to see more volatility or more of a valuation correction uh, than other companies that have a lower valuation today, so it is in my view. I, I hate when when people say this sometimes because it's always a stock picker's market, but I do think you're going to want to be much more discriminating in 2021 than we were in 2020 when you can buy the index and see a phenomenal return.
1: So let's break it down for our listeners. Those who are transitioning to or living in retirement the portfolio breakdown from asset allocation first, then we'll get geographic uh, and, and more details about that in just a second. But uh, how would you break down the portfolio? What's your what's your view at this point?
2: In this environment, we do have to be aware that with interest rates being low, they're likely to move higher as the economy reopens. Right. So uh, we're posed with two challenges. One, if interest rates stay where they are, we're not gonna earn much for return with the you know, 10-year Governor of Canada bond yield Sub one percent—that's um, not very attractive. But if we're going from sub one percent to one and a half percent, that's even less attractive, because we could be in a loss position in our long-term government bonds. So we want to be right now uh, underweight uh, fixed income. Um, so our balanced portfolio, our model portfolio, is actually sixty-five percent equity, thirty-five percent bonds. So five percent underweight to bonds. Uh, but we are looking for opportunities to increase our equity weight by another 5% if we, if we uh, were to see uh, any type of market volatility correction or something like that. So, And then in the bond side, you know, we really want to be shorter duration, focus on areas of, of fixed income that do better in a rising rate environment that still offer an attractive yield
1: when we start talking about the geographical location of the equity side of things. So on the stock side of the portfolio and a balanced portfolio, where are you divvying up the, the the money?
2: Well, on the equity side of things, when I looked at our model portfolio the other day and I was going through it, I said, you know, actually, we're, we're pretty, I, I could argue, we're almost well balanced across like, the major geographic regions. So, Canada, we do like. We've been increasing our weight to Canada because we do think that energy stocks can do well, the banks can do well, material companies can do well. Um, so that's 15%. We still like the U.S. at 25%, um, but you hear you want to be a little bit more selective of, in terms of where you're, you're positioning yourself. International, still like international, we're 15% there. And emerging markets, we like this is new to the portfolio in the last six months. We're at a 10% weight to emerging markets. That includes, uh, not, uh, predominantly it's Asia, but also includes uh, Latin America or other commodity-related uh, countries. So on a risk-adjusted basis, we would look at this and saying, so we're actually pretty evenly spread around the world, Canada, U.S., developed market international, and then emerging markets.
1: Philip, when you, we look at what's happening with the vaccines, with the rollout, lack thereof, mm-hmm. supply issues, um, governments getting in the middle of all this stuff that doesn't make it as efficient as we'd like it to be, there's going to be hiccups along the way. Do you see, see the markets taking a pause, maybe a breather, maybe a correction, correction meaning uh, 20%, sorry, 10%, or 20% meaning a bear market uh, from the peak. Do you see any of those coming out in your forecast?
2: Absolutely, we do. Now, first I would say, look, yes, there are hiccups with the vaccine, but you know, uh, we have to almost look at it saying, look, every one more person that is vaccinated is, is one more person that is protected against COVID. Every one more person that actually gets it as the case numbers are going up, they will have some type of natural immunity to it. We don't know how long that's going to last. We don't know how protected they are, but we know that each day that moves on, we're getting further and further away from COVID really controlling our lives. So that's the good news. However, bumps in the road. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to see it economically over the next little while. And I fully expect to see it in the markets. Now, What's going to trigger a correction? No one ever knows, right? It's very, very difficult to try and pinpoint these things with any real accuracy. Uh, But if we did see a correction of greater than 10%, uh, 15%, you know, somewhere in that range, this is a good thing, right? It would take some froth out of the market. Mm -hmm. Um, It would open up a window to allow what we've seen. We still have um, from 2019 to where we are today, a trillion dollars in money market assets that shifted out of the market that's probably looking for a window to come back into the market. So, you know, a, a good, healthy correction would be very normal at this stage of a bear market recovery.
1: We've got less than one minute here. I want to give you a bit of a lightning round here. You tell me, um, up or down in regards to these these different commodities, the price of gold, up or down for this year? Up. Silver?
2: I'll say up as well.
1: Oil, WTI?
2: Ooh, modestly up from where we are.
1: <laughs> and then Canadian dollar versus U.S.?
2: That'll be up by a couple percentage points or a couple cents from where we are.
1: There we go. We've got Philip Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist with Manulife Investment Management. Thank you for joining us again, Philip.
2: My great pleasure. Thank you, guys.
1: Okay.
0: So, uh, lots of great information. Philip is always a good source of information and dynamic, right? And I think that's the key word here is got to be dynamic, nimble, nimble. you got to adjust, um, your, your wealth strategies, given whatever the environment is to make sure that you have a stable retirement
1: lifestyle. It's a strategy. Yeah. It's a discipline that he has. Yeah. He's not investing in hope. Right. He's not investing in, oh, it was last year's best topic. Right. He's getting away from thematics. Right. This is the structure and discipline that why we bring people like this on our show is 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 to educate our listeners of of strategy and a discipline, a structure that's important. And we want to discuss that further on our next webinar, Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. It's
0: been a wide range of outcomes as uh, performance outcomes last year, as Philip alluded to. Okay. So, it doesn't matter whether you were happy or you were mad from this perspective. I want people to focus on, irrespective of how they feel about the performance outcome, I want them to focus on the discipline structure and process. And stick around after the break because we're going to go into depth on how to do that and how to position properly to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. You're on 770CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770CHQR and More Than Money. I think that was a fantastic couple of pieces. And, uh, the T's to, to stick around, Faisal, and we've been talking about this a lot, and, and I'm going to toot our own horn a little bit as some background as we've had, I've had lots of year end reviews and conversations with clients. Mm-hmm. And um, I said at the top of the show that this was, you know, this is an extraordinary year, and it was an extraordinary year in many respects, but extraordinary years can often lead to extraordinary results, which we had. Okay, And the conversation I'm having with people is I'm, I'm very pleased that you're happy with the performance of how your portfolio did. Mm-hmm. But really what I want to talk to you about is the structure, discipline, and process we use to achieve that. Because I want you to be impressed with the process. right? I want you to be impressed with those elements. And those elements will lead to whatever the outcome is supposed to be.
1: Okay, so let's educate some people here about what what, what, you're, what you're talking about. When you look at your portfolio, and in the previous, uh, before the break, Philip Peterson said, you could have fallen asleep on January 1st, woken up December 31st of 2020, looked at your statements and go, well, it's a pretty good year. And then you look at the news stories and go, oh my God.
0: Terrible. What the heck Terrible happened, year. right? Yeah, it's
1: your portfolio did a pretty good job and if you were if you made money or didn't make money if you were lucky or unlucky the question you have right now is not can i do that again will i either make money or not money um, not make money this year that's not the question the question is is the process the structure the discipline to get those results going to repeat itself is it repeatable
0: Yeah. And what are the goals? Like, What are the objectives for that process, structure, and discipline? Right, Understand that.
1: So I think what people need to question their advisors or if they're a do-it-yourself investor, what you did this year. So when you look at your 2020 rate of return, no matter what, positive or negative, it doesn't matter. What was the structure? What was the process? And were you sticking to your discipline? throughout the year mm-hmm. what you don't want is a money manager or your, or yourself if you're doing it to just do whatever they feel like based on emotion or a theme yeah you want to ha- make sure that they are working with you on a structure that has been proven itself over time right because results in a given year can be lucky you yeah. don't want to be lucky or unlucky with your retirement with your portfolio correct you want to make sure that the person the the people that are in charge of your day-to-day movements of your portfolio have the skill, the will, and the structure to win.
0: Yeah. I talked to somebody this week and you know, this is a comment that we have talked about before. Just hang in there. (laughs) It'll come back. Okay. And, um, this this was a this was a client I was talking to I in, hate that comment, in a review. I know I, know, I and, hate that comment. And this was their comment about um, to uh, a couple that they know a friend of theirs who was quite nervous back in March. Just stick it just hold in there. And I said, you know, I said that's not true. I said just hang in there isn't the strategy. It's not the discipline, it's not the process you use to protect and profit as you go through these things. Um, so let's talk about about process. What the hell what what are we talking about when we talk about? It? I'm going to talk about structure first because people will be familiar with this. Right? Those people that ha- have a need for income, that income should not be invested in the stock market. That's our structure. That's what we believe. It should be separate from that and is not subject to the crazy volatility that they saw in March. That's a structure issue. That's right? a big difference than what they're
1: hearing out there, Dave. Of course it is. Particularly
0: if what, you're dividend focused.
1: What they're hearing out there is just put all your money in a portfolio. Agreed. A mixture of everything—stocks, bonds, whatever—and Right. And then draw from that. Yeah, that's what they've been educated on. Right, that's wrong. Well, I agree with you. That's wrong because there are so there's so, there's so much risk that you you don't realize you have until a pandemic hits or right. until a financial crisis. And people talk about these as being outliers. If you're having these types of major sh- crashes three times in in twelve years, yeah it's not an outlier anymore. It's not, an, it's not a low probability of an event. It's happening. Right. And it's not wrong because we say it's
0: wrong. It's wrong because as you're approaching or living in retirement, you have multiple objectives. Correct. And you can't achieve multiple objectives with a single bucket.
1: So the income bucket that you need cash flow to live your life for, let's say, the next 10 years, you put that outside the stock market, put in an income bucket, something safe, Structure. And objective is to beat inflation. Right. That's it.
0: Maintain the purchasing power of that money.
1: Then the rest of your money needs to replenish that income bucket every 10 years. This is where it gets tricky. Yeah. This is the process that we should be explaining that individuals and money managers should be looking at.
0: So our process starts with one fundamental objective is reduce volatility, reduce the risk.
1: Here's why. When you're looking for a rate of return, let's make up a number here, Dave, somewhere between 4 and 8%. Yep. That's what your, your retirement plan came up with. There's the number that you need to grow your portfolio on average yep. in order to reach the goals to retire comfortably. Live the lifestyle you want. Correct. Yes. Now, when you have high gyrations in your portfolio from big double-digit returns on the positive side to negative double-digit returns, what happens is it takes time to recover. Correct. So part of your money is being used to spend on a day-to-day basis for your lifestyle. The other part of your savings is used to grow to replenish that money. And if those have wild gyrations or volatility, Mm -hmm. you may not recover. In or, time or it could to draw. Take years and years and years. We've seen that. Which means you don't get that average rate of return of four to eight percent that right. we were talking about in your retirement plan. Got it. Okay. So now, once you have that mindset, you have to reduce volatility, you still have to make a return. Yes. So the next step we look at is we call it an economic dashboard. Mm-hmm. We need certain key metrics that we look at every single time to see how it goes. Yep. In the pandemic, that economic dashboard Useless. Useless. Unemployment had to be high. Housing starts had to be low. We were shut down. Well, so here's where I'd, I'd,
0: I would maybe change the wording. It's not useless. You've got to understand the context of the data that you're seeing. Correct. So the dashboard's still there, but when you have an artificial shutdown and you see unemployment skyrocket, you got to think through why that happened and what the outcome is so, going to so be. So what
1: you're doing is you're doing deductive analysis over, right. your, over your over your rational thought. So right. you're, you're basically saying... These economic dashboard numbers, given the current situation, the pandemic is not going to work. We need to look at other pieces of data. Yep. One is investor behavior and, and history. Hmm. We we were pounding the table in March, April, saying whenever the markets fall thirty to forty percent, it's Boxing Day shopping time. And why? Why do you say that? The, the amount of times that we've seen the markets fall this much, thirty to forty percent the recovery's been phenomenal within the next 12 months okay
0: so this is really important so this is just one example there were a number of changes we made to the portfolio during the pandemic which is why i objective just hang in there that's the problem no don't hang in there get active hanging in there means hold on and hope that's right okay so so this is a good when you talk about historical research you got the economic data the dashboard then you got the market risks right so now you got to factor in things like what's this pandemic what kind of stimulus is coming in interest rate all of those things okay then you get to historical research, and, and um, when markets hit that S&P dropped 34 percent. Yep. Right. What the historical data, the research told us, was that the risks were starting to tilt to the upside, and the average recovery from a nine, minus 30 was between six months and 18 months. And of the 12 crises that we had uh, over the past uh, 50 years prior oh, to that, 50 years, yeah, 50 years, five times it hit a minus 30, two times a minus 40, one time a minus 50, and so we knew. We knew it was time to start adding back to equity. What we didn't know was how quickly it would recover. The outcome we knew would happen. This is this is the point I want to make. The process says the outcome at this point means it goes higher from there. Correct. Now, did we know it was going to happen in four or five months? No. But we knew within historical timelines what we could do, what we could take advantage of. And that's what I mean by that historical research. And then you need to look
1: at consumer and market behavior. And consumer market behavior said during a lockdown like this, people are stuck at home. The government has to do something about this, number one. So here comes the stimulus. Number two, they're going to be concentrating their efforts, their spending on certain areas. Sure. And it was true. Sure. And that happened in the financial crisis in 2008. When people were losing their homes, they had to spend money on something. Yep. Where are they going to spend their money? Right. Wayne Gretzky taught me this. Go where the puck is going to be, not where the puck was.
0: Yeah. Or with a high probability where it's going to be, right? In this case, because there's no certainty, we've got to go where the high probabilities tell us it's going to be.
1: And that way we can make sure that we capitalize on the opportunities without taking unnecessary risk so we can stay within that range of performance that we need to get so we can make sure our clients' portfolios are taken and have that retirement to be successful. Right. That's what the objective is. And so when you're going through this, the education piece that you can take away with this is you need to have a structure. Yep. You need to have discipline. But you need to have a process that you can write down, articulate it, and, re- and look at it on a time-by-time basis and, and say, no matter what's happened in history, this process works. So go back. Here's our challenge
0: to you before we uh, before we finish up hear this segment. Go back and audit your process. Mm -hmm. Go through 2020, audit the process, look at the structure and discipline, and did it work or not work? If
1: you have an advisor, if you have a money manager working with you, I don't care if they're picking mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or buying individual stocks. What's the process? Tell them to put it down in writing for you. Yeah, Not just just say, yeah, we have a process. What is it in writing? And do you understand what the downside of that process is? And can you tolerate that Mm. downside? Yep. Because 2021 is going to be a very interesting and volatile year. Philip Peterson did say, get ready for a bit of a a pullback, and we're going to be ready for that. And we'll talk about this on January January 19th, 7 p.m., live online you got to go to our seminar and register at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: All right, thanks for joining us for another edition. Here We Go 2021. We'll talk to you next week.
3: David Popowicz and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popowicz and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. A city area of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada.